As you stand in uh, body or spirit, let us go before God's word, very likely as Jesus would have, reciting uh, the Shema, which of course he made the basis for the great commandment. Please follow after me in Hebrew. We'll do it together in English. Shema Israel. Adonai Eloheinu. Adonai Had. Hear, O Israel. The Lord is our God, the Lord alone. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and love your neighbor as yourself. Scripture this morning is Paul's letter to the Philippians, which Paul writes from a prison uh, either in Ephesus or Caesarea or in Rome. But this is what he said beginning in verse 3 of chapter 1. I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. It is right for me to feel this way about all of you since I have you in my heart. For whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you within the affection of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless until the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and peace of God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Be seated, please. I was talking with Pastor Dinah the other day, and she reminded me that one of my pastoral superpowers is the ability to eavesdrop on conversations that are 15 and 20 feet away. I can be on an airplane, and I can focus and pick up on what's three or four rows ahead of me and three or four rows behind me. I can be at the uh, front of a room getting ready to teach a class, and I can pick up on a conversation in the back of a room. She says it's my superpower. My wife doesn't really agree that it's all that super. She's used to me sitting at a dinner or at another place and starting to focus on conversations that other people are having, and then I tell her about it. Now, it's not that my wife is not interesting and my family's not interesting, but I've always been fascinated about how other people are living their lives, especially people whose lives are rather quite significant. And that's why you can imagine how much fun this was for me this week, all the reminiscing about um, uh, George H.W. Bush. And so I got to eavesdrop on a letter that he left for President Clinton as he was leaving office and uh, President Clinton was coming into office. Got to eavesdrop and and overhear and even see on the replay what uh, he did for his son, the 43rd president, after his son spoke at the National Cathedral at uh, uh, after 9-11. There are all sorts of uh, things that I got to focus in on. And I guess that's one of the reasons I love biographies is I love to kind of listen in on, uh, on significant people or people that do significant things. We're, we're all significant. Uh, people do significant things and their lives. And so I'm pretty excited uh, this morning that we're looking at Paul's letter to the Philippians because let's think about Paul a moment. Paul is the author of two-thirds of the New Testament. Paul can basically be said to be the founder of the Christian faith because he's the one that takes the commission that Jesus gave him and goes and uh, builds on it as the church's first uh, theologian and, and main letter writer. Also, it could be said that we actually sit here on a cold Sunday morning because of the efforts of Paul 
2,000 years ago. He is an amazing man, one of the most amazing and important figures in all human history. And this morning, we get a chance to eavesdrop on Paul. One of the things we know about Paul is Paul is a man of prayer. Paul talks about praying for others. Paul uh, asks people to pray for him. Paul even commands and, and advises prayer on a number of occasions. Paul is a man of prayer. And this morning we get to eavesdrop on Paul's own prayer for other people in the first chapter of Philippians, verses 3 through 11. So what I want to do is kind of let you know, since I'm pretty good at eavesdropping and picking stuff out, uh, here's, here's what I found and what I picked out of Paul's prayer. The first thing I noted is Paul's prayer starts with thanksgiving and joy. Paul always starts, I, I give thanks for you. Now, last week, you may remember, I told the confermans that I was impressed by a writer who said that he was going to double down on gratitude. If I could share with you the one thing that might um, uh, put your faith into, uh, to the next level or might begin to help your uh, attitude go from less positive to more positive, the advice I would give would be, be grateful, be thankful. And that's where Paul starts. And, and his thankfulness, his, um, his gratitude comes from remembering the people for whom he's praying and who they are and what they mean to him and what they've done for him. It turns out that my grandparents so many years ago were right with a little song. One of them taught me, count your many blessings, count them one by one. There's something about that. And so Paul's counting his blessings and he's uh, remembering uh, these people who have blessed him. Now, when it comes to remembering other people, there are a couple of things that I've found helpful that I thought I'd pass on to you. The first one is this. There is an ancient tradition that comes to us from the Jews that says, you should give thanks for any person who has done anything for you, even if later they turned around and hurt you. If they've ever done something positive or good for you, then you give thanks to God for them, even if that relationship turned and went down a different path. That's helpful to me. Another thing that's helpful is that the early Christians When people fell away from their faith, they didn't call them blacksliders, sinners, demon-possessed. The phrase they used when people would kind of back away from their faith, they would call them amnesiacs. Amnesiacs, because they had forgotten what God had done for them through other people. So when you give thanks, remember to give thanks even for people that maybe you're not quite so grateful for at the moment. And remember of the things that God has done for you. But the particular occasion for thankfulness is what he calls the partnership in the gospel. Now, if you read all the Philippians, I can tell you what he means is he's saying, thanks for the money. Money is not unimportant in the expansion of the Christian faith. Paul works for a living, but you can't work when you're in prison. And Paul has been imprisoned in Philippi, Paul's imprisoned in Caesarea, Paul's imprisoned in Ephesus, Paul's imprisoned in Rome. There's a lot of times Paul can't go out and make a living, and these people take up an offering so that the gospel can continue. And also that Paul can, so Paul can be provided for. In the ancient world, as we mentioned before, when you were thrown into prison, the government didn't take care of you. Your friends and family had to feed you and care for your medical needs and other concerns that came up. So think about this. A messenger came from Philippi to Paul, wherever Paul is in prison at the moment, and at great personal risk, carrying lots of money on, on roads, all by him, I assume him, could be her, self, brought Paul a gift, 
an amazing sacrifice and risk. But notice what Paul does. Paul gives not only that person credit, but gives everybody credit. It's not just the one who delivered the message. It's everybody who contributed to the message. And I think that's very important when we think about our own church finances every December. You can't be everywhere for every need, but know this, that when there are people at Haven for Hope that are getting help and recovery from addiction from our church, and you're giving, you're there. When there are people here at the holidays struggling especially with grief and they're in support groups, uh, through your giving, you're not in that room, but you're there. When they're trying to rebuild their lives in Haiti or in Burundi, Africa after the Civil War or uh, Costa Rica, when you give, you're there. You are a partner in the gospel. So Paul starts with thanksgiving and gratitude for their partnership. But Paul continues his prayer and he says, I'm confident. And what he's confident about is he says that God who began a good work in you will bring it to completion. I remember being on an airplane um, one day and usually I try to like not talk to people on airplanes and, but the other guy, he started it. So we had this conversation and so I knew the, the question was coming, which kind of I dread, which is what do you do for a living? So I, I did that and he tried to understand uh, what it is to be a pastor. So I said, well, what do you do? And he said, I'm a closer. You're a what? I'm a closer. He said, at my business, when we get a deal, when we're having trouble getting it completely signed on the bottom line, he said, they call me and bring me in. Well, one of the things Paul is saying is that God's a closer, that this work of faith begun in us, God can finish it. That is God specially. That helps me in two ways. It helps me, first of all, because sometimes I'm amazed at my lack of progress in faith. I'm amazed that I don't seem to be as, that much more patient than I was several months ago. I'm amazed sometimes at the things that I still do wrong, and I get frustrated. And what I remember is that Paul knew this was a work that takes a long time. Real Christian faith can't be microwaved. It's in the slow cooker. And God is finally the one working on the temperature and is going to bring it all to completion. Uh, The great theologian Reinhold Niebuhr said years ago that nothing of value can be achieved in in this lifetime alone. He knew that the great things would take even and go on even beyond our life. There's something about really significant stuff that just has to, we play our part, but God has to finish it as it continues on. It's also comforting to me because one of the things I know about Paul is he couldn't always be with the people he loved. Couldn't always be with the churches he had started or the converts he was helping because he was moving on to another church or as I mentioned, he was spending time in jail. And in a sense, Paul knew that while he couldn't be there physically with them, God would continue the work that God had started in Paul. That's helpful to me. Some of you know, I've got about five months left with you, and there's so much more I'd like to see. There are people growing in in amazing ways. I'd like to see us move to become even more uh, interested in loving as opposed to interested in being right about things. I'd like to see us continue to expand our ministry in this city, so much more that I won't get to do. But there's a closer that's involved, and I'm grateful for that. So Paul starts 
with thanksgiving and joy, moves to confidence, and then he closes with what you and I often think of as prayer. He makes an intercession for them. But the intercession is fascinating to me. He's, he's talking to the church in Philippi, and when Paul was in Philippi, he got thrown in jail, and there was a riot against the people that were following Jesus. But Paul doesn't pray for their protection. Paul doesn't pray for their health here. Paul doesn't pray for their uh, happiness or their material well-being. Paul prays for their completion in love. That's what's most important to Paul. And I thought about that. There's so many things you could ask for, but what he asks for is that they would become more loving. That was the most important thing. But there's a realism about his love. He said, so that your love would, be, uh, it would overflow in wisdom and knowledge and you'd make right decisions. In other words, Paul knew that love was nothing sentimental or mushy. Love was like a life and death, day-to-day thing that you carried out in life. And to grow in love was often not a magical thing, but it was a hard-won thing. Reminds me of the children's book. Do you remember the Velveteen Rabbit? And so there's a discussion between the rabbit and the old skin horse. And the skin horse talks about how to become real. And said being real doesn't happen to, to people who break easily. You know, it's only when your edges have been kind of worn off and your fur's been loved off. And I think Paul knew that. Love is a hard one thing. It's not going to happen automatically or easily. I was speaking with a group of people Thursday night going through uh, grief, and I reminded them of an ancient saying. There was a question, which is, why did God tell us to put God's word on our heart? Why wouldn't God tell us to put God's word in our heart? We're kind of be safer, deeper down. And the answer was this, that our hearts are naturally hard and cold, and it's not until they're broken open that God's word can go from on our heart to in our heart. And to me, that's part of the process of growing in love as we get broken. And as difficult things happen, it allows the love of Christ to come in us. So it's not an easy or soft or magical thing. Paul knows it's a hard thing, but he knows that it's the only thing that counts. As we mentioned last week in 1 Corinthians, Paul said, you know, I can do all sorts of miracles. I can deliver my body to be burned in the sacrifice. But if I don't have love, it doesn't count. There's a moral and spiritual educator who goes around the country and he meets not with students, but parents. And he always asks them this question. If you had a choice between your children being wildly successful, but not very kind, or being extremely kind and moderately successful, which would you choose? And the biblical answer, and the answer from Paul is that you would choose for your children to be kind. In fact, I think Paul would argue that it is kindness and love that ultimately is the only thing that counts as success.